Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways they connect us. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. Have you seen our winter tire piece yet? I don't know if you did, but but it just dropped yesterday. It was a little while between our last two cheap sports car pieces. We did one. We dropped it in December. It was a fantastic road trip that made me wish I had the top down and, and t-shirt <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah, but exactly. we've been waiting on really good winter weather, and we got our wish and got frozen swapping out 16 tires in a parking lot so we could show winter tires versus all-season tires. And the piece is out now and it's playing well. Thank you guys for watching. Just want you all to know there was a lot of sacrifice that went into staying out there for five hours, just taking tires in the parking lot. We got a few strange looks, but nevertheless, we were adamant and we cleared a spot. We Mm -hmm. had our own pit stop. It was it was freaking cold. Quite ridiculous. Well, you hear me at near the end talking, and I'm actually having trouble talking because my face is so cold. And I decided, you know what, I need to leave that in the edit because that does show you that we were standing out there going, why am I doing this? But at the same time, I'm thrilled that it ended up making an interesting piece of comparative. I was really worried we were going to yep. be out there with winter tires and all-season tires and be like, yeah, they're about the same. There's minimal difference. Uh, I was Shoot. Very worried about that. So I'm really glad it turned into a pretty cool piece. And if you haven't watched it, we'd love for you to watch it. That That's on our original YouTube channel. That is Everyday Driver under YouTube. Then we have the Test Drive Videos channel. That is actually the other place where we post even more commonly than we do on the original channel. That piece has at least once a week, sometimes twice a week. This week was the Durango RT on there in addition to the cheap car piece on their main channel. Hey, everyone. Happy Friday. Welcome back to the podcast. There's some news in the industry from Hyundai and Kia. They just dropped two new cars on us, the 2022 Ioniq 5 from Hyundai and the 2022 Kia Carnival MPV multipurpose vehicle. This is just more evidence of how cool Hyundai, Kia, and Genesis are. They just keep kicking everybody right in the teeth. Or certainly trying. The The, the Carnival I, is the... Um, I definitely think they are. Like The Carnival is the please don't call it a minivan release. Well, sure, but... You know, everything I see, they're they're very mm, tuned in to what their customers want, but they're also kind of becoming Apple-like, and I'm not referencing any other business development. I was going to say, wait a minute. Yep. In that they're coming up with things and features that you didn't know you needed, but okay, now life is ubiqu- it's ubiquitous because now, well, I, I just need that. I, I like that. That's how it, things should work. That's how things should look. Mm-hmm. I, Sure, let's do that. What what do you think they've done on this one that uh, that speaks to that? They have been introducing on everything actually more unique textures mm-hmm. that are okay. I think creative and making a minivan truly not really a minivan and appealing to SUV customers. I think that's a bit of a home run without even seeing it in person. They're, they're certainly trying that. I mean, you remember the original Venza from Toyota? It had that kind of styling as well where it was trying to be, it was a minivan, but it didn't look like a minivan. And it was kind of that blending world. It's such a knife edge of style. It is, it is for sure. It can go very, very well or very, mm-hmm. very badly. Mm-hmm. I, I think that first gen Venza didn't age. At it all. didn't age well, but that was the, the attempt there. This, this does have a much more truck look to it. This, this carnival thing has a much more truck look to it, but obviously then you have the telltale, here's the rail for the sliding back door. Doors are handy. And then of course, hugely, you know, like first class quality, second row seats. So, so they're doing a lot of that stuff. I'll be very curious to hear over time 
who is the customer that buys this? Because I don't think necessarily that it's going to be people with a lot of kids. I think it's going to be like livery drivers. Oh, how about adventure enthusiasts, outdoor people? Maybe, maybe. But this just, it looks up to, it looks like it's setting itself up to be a really nice place to be like many of the crazy vans you've talked about you've seen in Japan, where their purpose is to be a great place to move around. Yeah. They're not designed for Cheerios. They're designed for, you know, Chablis, I guess. So, you know, you're just driving around and, and pulling the curtains and having a, an airline experience on the road. This looks like it's kind of targeting that crowd, and I'm wondering love who it. that customer is. What kind of food your passengers ingest is who buys the car or doesn't. To some degree, it's yes. It's based on food. Mm-hmm. That's it. And then the Ionic 5, I was in a discussion with Chance about the overall length and the wheelbase length of this thing. Okay. It's longer than a Mazda CX-5, although it looks like a Volkswagen Golf size. The wheelbase is longer. Okay. All right. And I think we're going to start seeing this. It's that ongoing conversation we're all having about future electric vehicles Mm. and what is their dynamics if you just drop a body onto a skateboard platform. True. What is going to be the differentiator? Yep. Interesting nonetheless, and I think styling will continue to be a massive factor in deciding whether you buy the car or don't. How, how real is this, though? Is this like coming soon, or is this like, here's our, our concept, and we think it's going to be something like this? Well, there was the 45 concept that this is based on, mm-hmm. and you can tell this is pretty close to production. All you have to do is look at the exterior rearview mirrors. Fair. If they're huge Fair. and ungainly and un- unwieldy and they look like they don't belong, that's production. <laughs> and this doesn't have them on all those photos. Yeah. If you see a concept and it's smooth and clean and the door handles are invisible and the mirrors are cameras. <laughs> cool exactly. idea. Exactly. But if you see giant exterior rear mirrors, you know <laughs> legal has seen the car and approved or disapproved. That's very funny. I do like You know that. it's gone through that uh, that round there, but I think the styling is quite interesting and fresh, to be honest. I'm intrigued, and I think that will be a huge factor because Mm -hmm. if there is less involvement because it is kind of the same as the other model, why do you buy that one? Totally. It's going to absolutely come down to – it's going to come down to styling and price. That's really what it's going to come down to because they're going to be so ubiquitous and similar otherwise. At least that seems to be what so many of these electric things are. I'm looking for the electric standout, the thing that has personality in spite of being electric. I'm not saying because I don't think electric cars can. I'm just saying to this point, I don't think they have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, there's there's always the I, – I think this particular iNIC 5 has been already tooled and you know ready for production or nearly there, and then they did the concept. And for those of you mm, listening, okay. many times this is the case. Sure. The production car is finalized, and then they stand back and look at it and think, yeah, we need to really sell this now. Team – Go do something cool with this. Well, that, that seems to be what happens at Subaru, who every time they launch a WRX concept, we all go, that looks great. Unbeknownst to us, mm-hmm. they've finished the WRX. It doesn't really yes. look much like that concept. It looks like what happens if you took the real one and then somebody went, let me play for a bit. And that's the concept. Boy, does it get us excited, though. It gets us excited. And then we see the real one and go, there, there it is. There it is. Every winter, we find ourselves tracking snow, salt, and grime into our cars. Thankfully, Covercraft has a variety of floor mats to keep you winterproof. Covercraft floor mats and cargo mats are custom-fitted to your exact car, and they include the original equipment security grommets, if applicable. They're the perfect and durable way to protect your car's carpet and add style and comfort to your interior. 
Plus, you can choose from many color and material options to complement or contrast the interior colors of your car or truck. Covercraft is sure to have what you need. They offer plush carpet, Berber carpet, even sheepskin, which is warm in the winter and cool in the summer. Whatever mats you choose, remember to use the code EVERYDAY21 at checkout to receive a 10% discount and free shipping from Covercraft.com. A couple of great debates today from John in Charlotte, North Carolina, who can't stop thinking about Italian cars. He's owned many. It's it's kind of insane many. to get into his list. It, it's also so many alphas, too. <laughs> I noticed that. Clearly a true car enthusiast. The, the, the joke that you need to own an alpha to be a car enthusiast, we're all just trying to catch up compared to this email. John's already done it for the rest yes, of us. Yes, he has. Fact. And then there's Matt in Northern Virginia, I believe, who writes to us identifying the problem of brand new cars mm. and, and talk about this. So we've got a few suggestions. But jumping in, first of all, first first debate from John. He loves the show. John, thanks for writing. Really appreciate it. He needs our guidance. And first of all, is taking into consideration this long list of cars mm-hmm. before we can consider what's next yep. for him. Yep. Starting with the cars that he had, well, he had in high school. A <laughs> it's a long list, yeah. 81 Ford Courier. I A Courier. What? When was the last time you saw an 81 Ford Courier? You're probably better off not having seen one. But then you go to an 89 Mercury Tracer, which is not really much better. And then an 83 Chevrolet Monte Carlo. And have you noticed at that point, we now leave domestic manufacturers and walk away. Oh, that's right. That's true. Good point. We're gone. We don't ever come back. And shortly thereafter, Honda Accord, which he said may, may have been his favorite car ever, 97 Honda Accord. What year was yours? Mine was a – well, I had an 86 DX, the base DX, yeah, yeah. and then I graduated. I went way up to a 1992 okay. DX, fully loaded, 16-valve engine, five-speed manual. Which looked brand new the day you sold it. I remember that was when I first discovered – not only <laughs> not only when I first met Paul, but also first discovered how meticulous you could be about a car. I was completely uh, – Oh, I just – I was educated. Let's I like to way. keep it nice. It was amazing. Years. But an eight, a 97 Honda Accord wagon says it may have been his favorite car ever – However, then we bump into Alfa Romeo, and we can't get away. <laughs> 86 Alfa Spider Quadrifoglio, the first project car. Yes. He did a minor restoration on it and sold to buy the Milano. Well, there was a 1991 164L in there as a daily. Oh, yeah. But then the Milano Verde, mm-hmm. 1989, the second minor restoration project. He liked it. The family liked the Spider better. Sold it to buy the Montreal. <laughs> But then there's another 164 in the middle that's that's the daily driver. <laughs> exactly. He keeps having an alpha that kind of runs while he works on the alpha that doesn't run. There's the the real alpha, which mm-hmm. is, of course, the project car that doesn't run, and then the temp alpha. <laughs> that's which waiting to be somebody run. else's project car down the line when John sells it. Yeah. Exactly. So that was a 91 Alpha 164B. Second run at a 164 is a daily. Not as nice as the L, but it worked okay until he got a company car. <laughs> this aforementioned Montreal was in 1972 that he bought in 2012 as the long-term restoration. Bought in 2012, by the way. Do the math, you wow. at home. That car was quite old and was bought quite recently. He finished it in 2019 and is now looking to sell it. It's so nice, but it it's so nice it's hard for him to drive it as much as he would like. Mm. Anybody looking for a 1972 Alfa Romeo Montreal? They are very cool. They are very They're cool. They're really, yes. really cool looking. And, and who knows what he wants to sell it for. But it, yeah, bought it in, by the way, bought it in 2012, finished it in 2019. I'm not good at math, but that's the better part of a decade. It's a long-term resto. It's a long time, yeah. Switching to Volkswagen products. This is a daily, 2010 Volkswagen Jetta SE. This is now his daughter's car at college. Mm-hmm. She named it Dwight from the character in the office. <laughs> sure, why not? Okay. <laughs> 
The 2004 Volkswagen Jetta GLS, he bought this once he gave the other Jetta to his daughter. So what I find funny is you don't buy Alphas and give those to your kids. I find that also very funny. You buy Volkswagens, Jettas apparently, and those are the cars for the kids. Right. Back to Alpha, then he we just bought another one. It's a 1982 GTV6, bought locally, now turning it into a track car. Okay. I Track cars should run. Just saying, well, but they need to run. There are a few things harder on a car than being a track car. I mean, that one. Yeah. Look, this is one of the ones that, that Ron Simons in Germany loved and used as a. He had like 20 of them. He, well, he had, that was when he started his fleet. We, yeah. we go to RSR, Ron Simons Racing. We work with them when we go on pilgrimage. And we'll see. We go this year. I don't know. But he actually started as an alpha experience. And he mm-hmm. was driving those as well as many others. They're still yeah. in the back behind the shop. I know. I've seen them. They're crazy. Mind. He still has them there. Like trees are going up through them. Yeah. <laughs> because that's <laughs> where parked. they that's where they stopped. <laughs> and then you just just like let the weeds take it. It's fine. I love it, but it's going to sit there. Couple more cars on the list. A 2013 BMW 328i he bought in late 2019, had it less than a week when his wife said, "Have I ever told you I've always dreamed of owning a white BMW?" <laughs> John probably said, well, "No." Honey, there's your car. <laughs> And then now a 2014 Mazda CX-5. That is John's current daily. He bought last year with about 57,000 miles on it. It's a manual, it's one a owner. manual. That's really cool. Wow, you don't see unique. many of those. I'm thrilled that you love it. But he and his wife are becoming empty nesters in the fall as his son will start college. Is your son taking a Volkswagen Jetta with some, him? Some Jetta. Will Probably a Jetta. Yeah. Yeah. Now, his wife does not like older cars with the <laughs> smell, which John loves. <laughs> I'm looking to turn that smell into a cologne, John. Figure that out. I, I, it may drive away significant others, but those yeah. of us that put it on will be like, I smell like an old car. We're, we're going to think it's awesome, but nobody like wants I've to been be in near the garage, us. Working yeah. on stuff. Well, it's got, well he, she doesn't like poor air conditioning. He wants to get something that he can enjoy as a performance car, possible track days. Wait. You're building the 82 as the track day car, I, this, and you're acknowledging this other one needs to do track days too well, because but, it's an alpha. Because the other one's an alpha. But right. also, but here's the other part about this. His his wife doesn't like older cars the way they smell or the poor AC. Have, have, can we go back? I'm not going to go back, but listen back at how many old, not running cars John has had. And not smelling nice your, cars. Your wife is long-suffering in this discussion for sure. <laughs> so he really likes Italian cars. You think? He wants something that is the basics, okay. no restorations for a while, because the track cars. <laughs> At least not immediately, yeah. You know, got a hold on your bank account. And he really likes Italian cars. He's thought about something mid-engine and has driven a convertible Mondial, but did not like the convertible that much. John, I admit to not having driven a convertible Mondial, but I did fall in love with the hardtop Mondial. The hardtop surprised us all. It really did it surprise so us good. all. The, 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 that convertible, it never looks quite right. It yeah, it really doesn't. It's it's got ungainly proportions yeah. when the top is yeah. stowed. What else? Oh, he's got a budget of forty thousand dollars and he's hoping for something targa like because he likes open air driving. Okay. He can't afford a Ferrari three oh eight or three twenty eight. Okay. He did drive in a lease. I saw that. That's Technically a Targa. He said right? he loved how it drove, but he's not sure how comfortable it would be for long drives. No, you're right. You know what, John? None of us are sure how comfortable it is for long drives because it, it's really not. It, you dedicate yourself to doing it. I'm going to be doing more of that this year. I'm actually very excited. But you dedicate yourself to doing it. it it's not – if your wife isn't sure if she wants to go along, don't take the Elise as the road trip car. Yeah. That's just not a good choice. Probably not. Now, he's given us some suggestions if he wants to stay with Italian cars. Okay. 
He's got a Ferrari 308 GT4 on the list. Mm-hmm. He needs to stretch the budget. Yes, for sure. You need sure. to stretch it far. You need to almost double your budget to get into a decent one that you don't have to work on. That's a fair point. If it's if you're not want to put money into it, there's it gets cheaper a lot ones. Oh yeah, for sure. But you for said sure. you don't yeah. want a project car because you have an Alpha Track car. The Fiat Bertone, Italian, yes. Mid-engine, yes. Targa, yes. He will. Well, he doesn't need to stretch the budget. I agree. He says he can get the best one in the world for half his budget. Performance is not where he might like it to be. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's subtle. Yeah, the X19 was was not known to be a a fast car. Fun, not fast. Yes. The Lancia Scorpion is also checking the boxes. Mm. The performance is also not where he would like to be. Those are actually pretty cool looking. They are. But you're you're hmm. <laughs> we're, we're we're stepping really delicately. If, we're tiptoeing through f- landmines on this whole podcast so far. If you can find a mechanic, they will become your best friends. They will they like will you. Rub their hands together in glee when they, whenever you call because they know you're about to spend money. And he says, all of this said, he's open to something non-Italian mm-hmm. and was thinking about the obvious Porsche Cayman or 996 or 997-911. He thinks he could check, check all the boxes for performance and modernity and Targa and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, sure. I would like to address this elephant in the room okay. that you haven't, John. $40,000 with the willingness to stretch the budget, and you mm. haven't mentioned an Alpha 4C yet. Agreed. Why is an Alpha Agreed. 4C not on your list? Well, and he's driven the Lotus, loved the Lotus, yeah. couldn't imagine taking a long road trip in a Lotus. The more road trip capable version of a Lotus Elise is the Alpha 4C convertible. Yeah. Done. Yeah, that Spider is done. Agreed. Agreed. I, I, I mean, looked him up. I found him right around forty-five to fifty grand. There it is. That's your $40,000 budget with some stretch, depending mm-hmm. on what year and depending on yep. the mileage. John, 4C, 4C the, Spider. The only downside. I, I, that's the car I land on as well. I have some others I want to bring up here. That's the car I land on as well. The only reason I can think of that John might not have brought it up is he doesn't say he wants a manual. No. But I'm wondering if you no. are kind of considering that this has to have a manual and you just haven't said it because that is the one downside to the 4C for your usage. The 4C, we've talked about it before. I actually love that car, especially in convertible form, mm-hmm. especially as a street car in convertible form. Yeah. Where it reveals itself to not be what it could have been is on the track. Now, I don't get the sense but that this is going... He's got another Alpha track he does. car. Yes, he does. The 82. Exactly. I don't get the sense that this is being bought to be a track car primarily. It might be a track car. I think yeah. that car in convertible, it is, it is an unsung hero for the kind of thing you want Honestly, there's not a lot of people like you, John. They're looking for those boxes to be checked. You don't get a manual, but you get modern. Honestly, it is a nicer place to be on a road trip. We did mid-inches of mountains years ago with the Alpha 4C and a Lotus Elise and the Cayman. The Alpha was fine to be in. On a long great. trip. It was, it was no problem. Yeah. So I think you. I think that's a great one. I have others. Do you have others as well? I've got many others. Okay. Uh, John, I kind of went nuts in one direction, so I'll leave that aside for the moment and stick with reality. We could stop at the Alpha 4C, yep. but I will suggest an Acura NSX first generation. Hmm. Targa, mm-hmm. fun, going to be reliable, not going to be a money pit necessarily. You'll need to yeah. keep it running, but think of it as a Honda Accord engine that's kind of totally. high strung at the top end. Remember that favorite car you ever had, that Honda Accord wagon? It's all of that reliability from the yeah. same era in a sports car. Yeah. Automatic. You could actually save money because nobody really wants the automatic. So if you were to get an automatic, you could probably find one for less. Much less, yeah. But get the five-speed. Enjoy it. It's your budget with stretch dollars. Mm-hmm. 
but I think it can be justified here. You could get a wonderful Boxster for forty grand. Wonderful. Yes, you could. For fifty, you could get a great one. Oh yeah, you could almost for sure. get a GTS Boxster. Yeah. I also will admit to you that I looked on the Soto Moto website. Our friend Uh-oh. Adam, from, okay. who gave us our K cars to yep. use while we yep. shot the K car episode, it's now on YouTube. I noticed he's got a lot of alphas curly on his side. Does he really? It was so. It was are they such like a? Are they right hand drive alphas, or he just slipped and fell and has a bunch of left hand drive alphas at this fleet? He's got left hand drive alphas. Really, a bunch of them for like twelve five. Uh oh. He's got wagons. He's got John. Oh your wife needs to mute the podcast right now. <laughs> They're yeah. inexpensive. You could get two or three of them for your budget. <laughs> Honey, I was going to buy something nice and modern that would run. Instead, I spit 40 grand and bought three new alphas. But at least you know at least one of them would run at any given time. At any, at any given time, yes. You'll keep taking one to be the parts car to go get parts for the one that's not running, and that'll keep rotating. It's going to be awesome. Okay, John, that is S-O-D-O-M-O-T-O, Sotomoto. <laughs> Call our friend Adam. He's up in Seattle. I thought you might take a look at a 2017 Mini Cooper JCW convertible. Kind of mm. interesting. You could take a look at Porsche 968 Cabrios. Those are actually kind of cheap for your budget. Yeah, they are. You can get a really nice one. It'd be interesting. And he hasn't had anything in the Porsche lineup yet, which is interesting as no, well. No, he hasn't. I'm trying to push you in that direction with my last real suggestion of a 1968 Porsche 912 soft window Targa for $22,500. The hard tops are forty k. But I think 912s are going to be kind of cool. John, if you want a restoration project, get a 912, put a wrecked 718 Cayman, the base 17, 718 Cayman engine in it, and you'd have way more power. You have 300 horsepower, still a four-cylinder, in a 912. <laughs> how cool would that be? How terrifying. I mean, how cool would that be? It'd be yeah. super cool. Now, leaving reality for just a moment, I had the weird thought that if you like Italian cars, you could just look at the kinds of cars that are designed by the Italians. Pininfarina Design had the Cadillac Alante from 1986 to 1993. There's also the Maserati Gran Turismo, which I know I'm suggesting Maserati. I'm running away from that. But hang on. The Cadillac Alante? The Cadillac Alante. I did not expect you to go there. I see the Italian connection. I, I, I do you see the connection. Take that yeah. to an Italian car show and stop. And but yes. Everybody's you know giving you the stink eye and be like, what? Pininfarina yeah. right on the side. <laughs> Says it right there. There's the badge. Delicious. Back okay. off. There's mm, there's Ferrari 456 GTAs. Oh. B12. Yeah. Money pit-ish. <laughs> money pit-ish. Money pit adjacent. <laughs> it's a very cozy little Ferrari. It's money pit adjacent. <laughs> Could $40,000 get you a Lotus Evora? Like an early one. A 2011, yeah. 2012, yeah. Yeah. somewhere in there. Absolutely. Maybe not an S. Not Italian, certainly has the Italian exotic kind of feel in a different way. It's that British, like, yikes feel rather than (laughs) not really. But you know what I mean? It's a Toyota engine. It'll be far better than anything you've restored or anyway. Just just a thought. These are random weird (laughs) thoughts. All right. I like it. I I went a few places that I want to talk through, but I have to circle back to that 4C because I think you might be the perfect 4C buyer. Yes. I I really think that might be your car. I have two others I want you to go drive because they do check all the boxes of Targa. The first one is you you didn't really go all the way there, but a 997-911, that's the 05 to 2012 9-11 Targa. These are special cars. Yeah. They're going for about 45, has a huge, different target than the rest of the targets, has a huge glass panel that folds back, and it also has a, it can work as a hatch, too, which is crazy. It's a very yeah. interesting 911. It's one that can, kind of continues to intrigue me. Those are out there. Also, 
you haven't owned an American car since the 80s. <laughs> he gave up on those after the, the Monte 80s. Carlo. And what I find funny is that you leave 1980s American cars and a string of Alphas is fine, but there's no returning to American cars. Although With, he says he wish he still had his Monte Carlo. He's, he sold it once he got married and wish he still had it. I think you need to go drive a Corvette C7. Do you? 40 grand? Those are all Targa. Yeah. 40 grand. Get a Z fifty one. That that is. <laughs> I love that you're the Pied Piper for C sevens. Now that you're, well, your dad bought the C five, but you're like C six. But yeah, <laughs> that's but, right. But, that's right. It's no, no five, right? They, they keep getting they keep getting overlooked. And the thing is, the, the C seven for your usage. Look, you want to occasionally track it. C seven can do that. You mainly want to road trip it. Yes, you need a Targa. Yeah. Uh huh. Like follow me this way. Seriously, go get your look. Play you need the to flute music. Least, <laughs> that's definitely what I'm going to do. You need to at least drive a Corvette C7 because I think you're going to surprise yourself. And that's just going to run. Yeah. Uh, what I'm looking for for you is something that you know you can road trip it. You know it's going to run. And it's interesting. And if you wind up on a great back road or want to take it to a tractor, it's fine. The 911 does that. The C7 does that. And the Alpha 4C does that. Yeah. Hopefully sure. something there works for you. But I'm serious. Take a serious look at the C7. Our friends at Griot's Garage have got a new line of ceramic products to make your car care easier and more satisfying than ever. Start with the new ceramic wash and coat, an ultra-slick formula that can be used with either the bucket wash method, which I like, or a foaming sprayer, which I also like, or a cannon, which I also like. We actually take Griot's Speed Shine with us on every single shoot. It's the ultimate for quick detailing, and it now has ceramic protection as well. Ceramic Speed Shine maintains a slippery gloss finish in between your main washing and protection days. And they even have ceramic trim wipes for long-lasting protection on plastic trim. Try any of these products or use them as your new wash routine. They are 100% guaranteed and all their liquid products are made in the USA. Don't forget to use the code EDRIVER when you order at griotsgarage.com. Our audience gets 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Matt is out in Northern Virginia listening to the podcast. He loves to listen while he's in the garage. Matt, thank you for having us along in your, uh, your workshop Saturdays. That's cool. He says he has written in before, hasn't made the cut. <laughs> that well, is, we get a lot of email, and we have asked for yes. it. We are thankful for it. Thank you, guys. Keep sending. Please keep a couple things in mind. First off, we are generally at least a month behind, at least, at least from when you yes. send in an email to when it might show up on the podcast. And then we get even doing three to four car debates a week. We are way behind the volume. So keep sending them. We are reading them, I swear. Keep going. Absolutely. Well, as I said, Matt asked for suggestions on a project car. He ended up buying a 1988 Mustang GT about a year ago, which he's been working on and occasionally driving since. Okay. What do you mean occasionally driving since? Project car. Yeah, but I want you to get it to the point where you really love and it's running enough so you can drive it all the Hopefully, time. Hopefully, yes. But he has learned a lot while fixing and upgrading it. And he's also got a 2014 Mustang GT that he bought brand new a little over six years ago. Hmm, it's been okay. a big part of he, his life and his wife's life. They've driven it everywhere, including from Northern Virginia to Miami for their wedding three years ago. It even made an appearance in a few of their wedding photos. He's done some suspension mods and added mufflers, but other than that, he says it's mostly stock. Okay. He is a two Mustang owner. He is, yes. Most recently, they decided they needed to add something more practical and spacious to the fleet. And after test driving 11 different vehicles, congratulations and good job on your driving homework. For sure. He said they narrowed it down, test drove more. They picked up a 2021 Subaru Forester Touring. Now, he says it's not the fastest, it's not the sportiest, but they love it. 
It's comfortable, spacious, has all the safety stuff, convenience, bells and whistles. A CBT. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, yeah. Compared, he says, to all the other vehicles they drove, it had the best head and legroom. Okay. Here's the kicker. He's six foot five. That's an issue. That's why they chose it. Now on to this problem, this brand new car problem. It's got him thinking about other brand new cars. Mm-hmm. Because they have a brand new one, he's looking at his older cars yeah. and going, huh. Brand new is kind of nice. <laughs> he says both of the Mustangs are paid off. And he's constantly said that since he's fortunate enough to be able to own two fun cars, there's no reason to upgrade or get something newer. Uh You're lying to yourself. (laughs) Sad but true. Because we all, just because we have our fun cars. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Of course we're looking. Look what else. And I don't want my car to hear. I don't want the Cayman to hear it. I don't want the Cayman to know. It's out in the garage. (laughs) If it knew that I was looking at other cars. We're still looking. Of course we are. Yeah. He's been tempted repeatedly by a Shelby GT350 and the upcoming Mach 1 sure. Mustang. Yeah. He's also always wanted to own a Corvette. Okay. But he also loves hot hatches and sport compact cars. He's never owned a turbocharged car. He's been really interested in a Civic Type R since it finally came to the U.S. Mm-hmm. And he likes the Subaru WRX STI and the idea of having something with a turbo and all-wheel drive. Okay. He still loves his 2014 Mustang. <laughs> no, baby, seriously, I still love Come you. Come back. Yeah, no, for sure. wait. Yeah. It's been a huge part of their lives. He tries to tell himself that if he lets it go for something like a Civic Type R or an STI, that his American muscle needs will be fine because he still has the Fox Body Mustang. Okay. But then he looks at it or drives and he's reminded, it's still a great car. It's plenty of fun to drive. It's been really reliable. I believe you're talking about the 2014. Yes. The sport compact idea is easier to sell himself. I like your... Have, you're having conversations with He's yourself. Got, this is what happens to car people. What, what happens, honestly, is you've annoyed your spouse so much that now you're having conversations with yourself until you find car friends. By the way, we are your Muttering. car friends. We're fine with that. But yeah, you're, you're off in the garage going, but what if I did that instead? That explains a lot. People walk around muttering to themselves. Might just be Some of them are just car people. You're right. Absolutely, debate. yeah. The sport compact idea, he says, will, have, will make him have a different driving experience with different cars rather than trying to get everything packed into one vehicle. Okay, all right. As much as they love the idea of having four cars. Which means keep both Mustangs and her and car, her Forester, and add something. Add. Yeah. They only have a two-car garage. <laughs> he doesn't want to play musical cars. And his wife is not keen on having four cars, at least at this point in their lives. All right. They've got two dogs. The question is, should he do the financially responsible, slightly less environmentally responsible thing and hold on to the 2014 Mustang or sell and trade the 2014 Mustang and go for a new driving experience with a hot hatch? You know what we always say. If you're thinking, should that car go, the car should probably go. It's already gone. <laughs> it, may to tell you. it may be. That's a fair point. The, the thing is, let me, let me tackle this Mustang problem real quick. And I mean the one that you've had since new. If you don't have the life, because we've all talked about if you had unlimited money and limited space, you'd never get rid of a car. If you don't have that in your life, mm-hmm. I think it's okay to let this car go. I know you're kind of struggling with it. You think the 2014 should go? I do. And and honestly, the Fox body, the only reason I'm saying it stays is because you're enjoying the learning experience of working on it. I don't want to take the Fox body away because it's, it's being your tutor. In learning how to work on cars, okay, and okay. you're enjoying that process, and I certainly don't want to to take that away, and you now have to kind of restart yourself. So as long as you're continuing to learn with that car, I think that car has a shelf life too in your life. But for now, mm. it's still the fun project that you're learning with. So keep learning on that, Matt. Let's sell the 2014. It, I'm reminded by my original Nissan 300ZX, which I love to this day. But we reached a place in our life where it made sense to get rid of it. 
I didn't love getting rid of it, but I did. At the time, they were dropping like stones in value, and I sold it at the bottom. But anyway, so that's <laughs> happened. But but the thing is, Buy if I sell at the bottom, exactly. If right. I'd kept that car, my wife and I, that was a car for the first few years of our marriage. Yeah. We did an amazing. The first time I ever got to drive all of Pacific Coast Highway was in that car. Incredible experience that yeah, we had. That's cool. Cool. Lots of really great experiences of this show starting as a result of that car. There's a lot of memories in that car. However, yeah. Yeah. it was not the right kind of 300ZX. It was automatic. It wasn't a turbo. It, it was. I loved it, but I'm glad to have moved on from that specific one. And I think if I tried to hang on to it, I would have limited myself in a lot of ways from other good ownership experiences. This is the discussion I'm having with myself right now with the Lotus, which is much more unique than my 300ZX was. I understand you've got wedding memories, you've got early early life and marriage memories in that car. It's okay for it to go because those memories don't go. That's what's great. I think yeah. I think we we want to yeah. say that if I let that car go, I'm going to forget about that stuff. No, you're not. So I think it can go. I like the STI, but I think the world's moved on a bit from that car. Witness the what did they call it? The 209 right now. That's like the swan song of that car. That's There's like been swan songs 55. for years yes. now. But this one's like fifty-five or sixty grand. And everybody's boggled by it, and then they stop and step back and go, "Isn't that almost sixty thousand dollars for an STI?" Yeah, we can move on. The Civic Type R is great. It's great. If you're going to drive that, you need to drive the Veloster in because you it's might my find list. that as great or maybe even more fun. Yeah. I'm just going to keep rocking. You should drive a current Mini Cooper S if you're looking at hot hatches. Okay. Because that might surprise you. But I have one place that I landed for you, Matt. Okay. That is a question that comes right out of your email, and I want you to just solve it. And you're going to laugh at me again, Paul, and I'm okay with it. You have this line in your email that you just kind of walk past. Uh, I'm really tempted by the Shelby GT350 or maybe the coming Mach 1, and I've always wanted to own a Corvette. Hi, hello, tall guys fit in Corvettes. <laughs> Matt, I just want you to let you know that that particular story is one that Todd grew up with. Yes. He's grown up with his dad uh-huh. saying his whole life, I've always wanted to own a Corvette. Yep. So he just kind of realized that, focused in on honed in on it and told his dad, then get a Corvette. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. And guess what? Do you know what I do for a living, Dad? Let's talk Corvettes. No, but but I Matt, love that you're so tuned into statements like that. Seriously, I've always wanted to own a Corvette. Yes, I, you've always wanted a Corvette, but it's not on your list. I'm baffled by this. I'm I'm That's genuinely funny. baffled by this. I think you need to go drive a Corvette. I think you probably need to go buy a Corvette because you've also said that <laughs> when you when you get rid of your 2014 Mustang, you think you'd like to have better gas mileage. The Corvette does that too. Mm-hmm. The C5 and the C6 will definitely fit you at six foot five. I know the C6 will. The yeah. C7 starts to get more cramped with your budget. I don't know. You haven't been as specific about what you can actually spend. Granted, if you're buying a, a brand new Civic Type R, you can spend almost forty grand. Exactly. You could probably get a C7, but you can get a C6 and fit in it all day long. Matt, I've always wanted a Corvette. You're right. I have. A, I have a raw nerve for that, Paul. <laughs> it is. A, I have a raw nerve. Super tuned in to yes. that statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always wanted to own a Corvette going on to list all the yes. other things that aren't Corvettes. Yes. Matt, Corvette, and I'm out. <laughs> I, I'm having trouble topping that one, to be honest. Matt, I, I think you need to really think hard about this. And do, do you really want a hot hatch? I mean, I love They're the Hyundai Veloster cool. N. I love a Mazda 3 Turbo for you, mm-hmm. even though it is not a manual, but it Fair. is so good. It's yeah. I keep 
driving that car and coming away going, every one of our listeners should drive it, at least drive it, yeah. if not own one. They're on a good so back road. Good. They're, they're surprisingly good, yeah. You think, well, it's not a manual. It's not worth it. It is worthy. It's every other driving engagement part of that car almost supersedes the manual. It's just, mm. it can do the luxury mm. cruise thing. It can do the hot hatch thing, but mm. it's, it's not like a 10 in every category, but it doesn't need to be. It has this variety. It's so good. It's so good. So I suggest the two of those cars for you. If, and I love your Civic Type R. I love the wing. Mm. Those are great. The winged beast. The Civic thing. Awesome. And the Veloster is great. We like both of them. Sure. But then Todd's right. You said, yeah, sigh, mope. <laughs> I've always wanted to own a... What are you doing, Ryan? And then the rest... There, there's like three quarters of an email after that has nothing to do with a Corvette. I'm like, you can't put always wanted at a car next to it and have me go, oh, it's okay. Let's just move on. Matt, I think what you're telling us that uh, you're all out of excuses. Mm-hmm. When your car needs new brakes, it's a great time to upgrade for better stopping power. We're excited to partner with Power Stop Brakes for an easy way to get more performance from something you already need. PowerStop is on a mission to deliver better brakes on every vehicle in every situation from daily commuting to towing to track days. These are all bolt-on direct fit parts for better braking, no modifications required. Every PowerStop complete brake kit comes with all the parts you need to upgrade your brakes, including pads, rotors, and even those little clips and fasteners. Plus, all their pads are made from a carbon fiber ceramic compound, which they've tested extensively to deliver low dust and noise-free performance. So the next time you need brakes or you simply want to upgrade, visit PowerStop.com and enter your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use car finder. We even found great kits for our SUVs and our cheap sports cars. Give your everyday driver the easy and affordable performance upgrade it deserves at PowerStop.com. We have Mazda 3 Turbo questions. We posted it for our questions today. You guys have come through big time with Mazda 3 questions and other things. Thank you guys for all the really good questions. I'm going to start right here with Jason asking about the infotainment knob on the Mazda 3. Mazda's doing something interesting. Okay. Every manufacturer is has a touchscreen. Mazda is more focused on driving. The way I can tell that is because they, on purpose, are moving the screen further away from the driver. There was a press release about that. They're moving it away from the driver so you can't easily reach it. They don't want you to touch the screen. They want you to concentrate on driving. And what they've done, and again, all these cars I talk about, I enjoy plugging Apple CarPlay in because that has a universal way that it works. Except in the Mazda, you don't touch the screen. Right. It's like iDrive 2005. You have to use the knob down here, but you can move through all of that really easily through the Apple CarPlay interface. It feels weird to move through Apple CarPlay without it being a touchscreen. So I have two thoughts on your question, Jason, because you said you, you drove it and you're not sure how you feel about that. I think it's very interesting, and I like Mazda's idea here to move us away from touchscreens in the car to tactile knobs and buttons. I love that. I'm a big fan. I've said it many, many times. The problem is... When you see a screen, we're all conditioned now to touch it. We can't break ourselves of the habit. I like not having to touch a screen in a car. I think that is far safer and far more replicable when you need to do something. You can do it with less effort than actually trying to get your finger to touch in a moving car and hit the screen. I think it's much better to have buttons and knobs. However, we're so conditioned. I see this in my son. He assumes every screen in in front of him is a touchscreen because that's how he grew up. He's, he's had, not, he's, he's he's had a phone in that. his hand since he was a toddler. That's amazing. The only the only one now at the age of 11 that he gets is he understands that the TV is not a touchscreen. But until he was like five, the TV was a touchscreen. I'd be like, you just got – look at the handprint on the – stop. 
Okay. But he just assumed because that's how he was raised. But the thing is, funny. we've all been raised that way now. Yeah, true. And I found true. myself in this Mazda 3 subconsciously, somewhere in the back of my mind, I knew that's not a touchscreen. But when I plugged in Apple CarPlay, I touched it and went, it doesn't work. Of course it doesn't work because that's how they set it up. So I think I like the thinking. I think it's hard to make us believe it. Rocketboy336 says, are there any cars we wish we could recommend more often but don't? Hmm. Asked because we don't hear us recommend the Macan too often, but he hears it's a phenomenal car. And you're right. As Todd has mentioned before, there's standouts in every category that make us gravitate towards those always because we want you to have them. We want you to have the standout. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What if we didn't recommend the standouts? What if we said, well, you'd be just fine with uh, with a six or a seven? (laughs) Sure. And everybody would say, but there's this glaring car over here that mm-hmm. you, you just missed. You glossed right over this thing. What yeah. about these? And they're in your budget. That's what we don't want. So it's not that we're not trying to avoid cars. It's always about the situation. I'm always reading your emails, which are fantastic, by the way. Thank you for sending them. Keep sending your emails. And I think, okay, I have initial thoughts, but what are the emails that I think, that's going to take some work. That's going to take mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. You know, some effort. It's not just, oh, well, just just get the FRS, just get the Supra, just get a Cayman, just get an Elise, just get a... I know that you guys would get tired of hearing that. The stuff that gets us out of our comfort zone of being able to recommend the same thing every time. Yes. Sure, yeah, yeah. So if we do come to Audi TTs and Lexus ISFs and things that are, you know, we like this. Well, there's other things we like about uh, another particular car better, but this could be great for you. And that's always what we're thinking about. It's not mm-hmm. about what we want. It's... Mm-hmm. What is the car for the situation? But then we have to take into consideration that standout thing that we can't ignore. Yeah. That's so good. And yeah, I got to taste this. I want to speak to the Macan specifically for a second. We did a piece a while back that was first first season of television. It was the AMG GLA 45, the Macan, and your Jeep Grand Cherokee. And we talked about yeah. The fact that SUVs is becoming an awfully broad term, okay? It has the, changed the, the since thing, then, The too. thing about the Macan that's interesting is, you're right, it's phenomenal to drive. It's yeah. really superb. If anybody told me they were getting a Macan, I would say, great choice. I don't have any issues with it. Right, the right. problem that I have, the reason that it doesn't get recommended, at least by me very much, is because it doesn't have a ton of space. I have trouble computing with a CUV or SUV that doesn't have more space than an equivalent car. So at that point, sure. I just want to put you in a hot hatch, something that's trying to be a hot hatch. And the GLA AMG 45 blurs the line. It's much more hot hatch. It's sold as an SUV. It's a hot hatch. So the problem that I have is the Macan isn't as roomy as most of the hot hatches, is much more expensive than the hot hatches, isn't big enough to be a usable SUV. So I typically, personally, am going to go to the Cayenne if you want a Porsche SUV because it's got more space. True. And if you want something smaller than a Cayenne, we're not going to get you in an SUV, even though the Macan is great. Let's go hot hatch. And it ends up in this weird, for me personally, gray area because it doesn't fit either place. You're not wrong. And there's, it comes down to size, people's garages, mm-hmm. the amount of space that they, maybe they don't need a ton of space. So, and of course, Porsche utilized that chassis. So mm-hmm. it's the Q5s. I think Q5s actually have better usage of space than the, than the Macan. Bit. Yeah, a little bit. And if we're talking that, then we got to go over to BMW and look at the X1 and X3. Mm-hmm. And then we got to go over to Mercedes again and... It's the usability question that's a struggle for me, yeah. Sure. Koi Yat is asking, where does the Buick brand position as in into the automotive industry? Is it towards the luxury brands like the big three Germans or Mm. the regular brands like Toyota and Volkswagen? Think of the Buick, the brand, like an Avalon, like a Toyota Avalon. Okay, all right. It's it's more. It's not a Cadillac, (laughs) but it's not the Toyota. 
It's, it, it's not the. You didn't buy the Chevy. Things. You didn't buy the Cadillac. You yeah. bought the Buick. I, I'm mixing all the metaphors. I'm with you. I'm still with you, though. But it's it's almost there, but a little bit nicer. And it's an opportunity to create something else and still have a styling choice. Mm-hmm. Again, I come back to design and styling because that is a lot of the reason people buy new cars. Yeah, yeah. That looks great. I want to be seen in that. Look at all the tech and amenities and safety, blah, blah, blah. That looks great. Well, and Buick as a brand survived because the Chinese market buys it. Indeed. That's why when, Indeed. when GM was culling their brands, they kept Buick, and all of us in the U.S. went, why? It's because the up-and-coming young people with money mm-hmm. looked at BMWs and Mercedes and Audis as old people cars, and here it was Buick as a luxury alternative. And so they started buying Buicks, and GM went, well, if we're going to sell a bunch of Buicks, we better keep that brand around. <laughs> that happened for sure. I've got a, a random, possibly difficult Porsche track daily crush. Oh, did you see Matt's question? Track Daily Crush, all Porsches, the Cayman GT4, the 911 GT3, and the 911 Singer Track Ooh. Daily Crush. Ooh. I have an answer that oh, I you feel do. very definitive about. Oh, I will daily the Singer very happily. Yes, 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 yes. I will track the Cayman GT4, and I will crush the 911 GT3. And there, are those of you out there that have read all the accolades of how awesome the GT3 is, and it is great on track, do not understand it. The Cayman is the better chassis. It's the better chassis. I know the 911 is. is the heralded chassis, but the GT4 is the preferred track car for me, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Geese1RBM asks, how we find good driving roads? Mm. Knows we used to have a sponsor that had an app you could use. Yes, indeed. But at the time, it was really Apple devices only. You're right about that. Yeah. Are there any good websites, or do we just use something like Google Maps to look for what might be good roads? The first step is we look at mountainous terrain. Mm-hmm. We look at sections of the U.S. for where we're shooting. And even when we're in Europe, we're looking for mountainous terrain because, generally speaking, that means circuitous roads. Yeah, yeah. And then we start looking near various towns. And, they, you know, of course, stuff we've heard about over time. We've heard about various good roads. Many of you have written in, say, hey, I was on the, you know, whatever road. And mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a great one. Good recommendation. That happened for a lot of our East Coast roads. Yeah, you know, for sure. Based for on sure. recommendations. You can pick that up through a lot of magazine articles. People will read about them and say, hey, we went testing on this and this, you know, such and such road. Yeah. Many times Todd and I do not reveal where that is, just simply as, you know, protect the shoot, protect everything, yeah. not advertise that we're there because we like to come back. We don't want to. <laughs> this is true. This is true. It's yeah. not a one and done. We use those roads that we found, especially our favorites. And you've probably seen. You know, a lot of those those roads, like, yeah, I saw that in a film over here yep. because it's so great. It, it's yeah. accessible. Yeah, yeah. We know we can get work done, if mm-hmm. y'all know what I mean. Yeah, for sure. Get things done on those roads. But it's, yeah, it's, you know, looking at topography first and then see what's possible. And you can walk with the Google map pretty much anywhere you want. I'll tell you another trick. Go to the websites where guys that ride motorcycles make lists of roads over the certain states that they like. Because the guys like motorcycle roads, typically that's a great driving road as well. And they'll publish that for sure. Danny Hahn says, what's our opinion on Fox Body Mustangs? He's specifically struggling between a Fox Body GT or a Miata for his own cheap car challenge. Danny, what are you going to use it for? Mm -hmm. The, The Mustang is much more interesting, I think, to look at. I think it has a kind of nostalgia factor that the Miata doesn't. I think it has. I used to have one of those. Plus, you can wind up with a V8. You have all of those things going for the Fox body. But if you're going to tell me I want to buy something cheap and take it along a lot of back roads or I'm going to track it or I'm going to drive this thing hard into corners, get the Miata. 
because what you're going to need to do to the Fox body Mustang based on age and the way it was originally designed to make it into a good road for a good car for back roads is a lot more money than just I bought a cheap a Fox body. The Miata you could buy and take on that road right now. I will speak for myself, and that is I really only like the Fox bodies when using their parts to build a Factory 5 Shelby Cobra replica. That's, that's how wow. I like my Fox bodies. Okay. Thumbing My Way asks if we've seen the new Glickenhaus hypercar, that L- XLMP class, and Ferrari will come back to the Top Le Mans series in 2023. Yes, we did see that. That's fantastic. There's already confirmed teams, I think six or seven in the top hypercar class. Just been talking about this, as a matter of fact. I- I'm glad. I find it very curious that companies who are continuing to be invested into the electrification and future hybrid, whatever that is, still come back to the world's premier endurance racing Mm -hmm. race. Mm -hmm. I find that very fascinating. That tells me there's so much more to be learned in that race alone. And of course, all the other endurance, you know, the shorter endurance races, but still that's the big daddy. It's It's going nowhere. Everybody wants back in. Great point. Ted Adam Green is saying he's curious about Apple CarPlay, which I feel like I'm talking about a lot. Why am I talking about it a lot? Because I just put it in my wife's Cayenne. He's asking that question. Since that is current tech, could you put that into just about any car out there and make that car's tech feel modern? I say yes across the board because it's the interface that feels current in your pocket, Android Auto or Apple CarPlay, and now it's in your car. Mm-hmm. It it blends the world so much. Plus, it is the screen we look at the most. Our phone screen is the one we all look at the most. It it makes the car so much more current. I just, in the last month or so, put an Apple CarPlay system finally in my wife's Cayenne, and we're both just in love with it. It's so it's easy, cool. and it has made all of that interface so much more modern. So I think, yeah, that's a definite yes. M6 Bruno asks if Lexus missed a marketing opportunity in not calling the new V8 IS500 an ISF. Hmm. Has the same engine as the bigger GSF and also the RCF. Why not just call it an ISF? I think possibly because they want to leave the door open. Mm -hmm. If they're truly bringing a better, hotter, lighter ISF, you can just drop the engine in. That's one thing. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't appear that they changed too much else about the car. It's still pretty well balanced, and you know they did a few things. They've left room, yeah. But if they want to continue to ratchet up their dash F of whatever version they're doing, I think they're leaving the door open for something there. It could be a V8. It could be something hybrid. It could Mm. be something we don't know about. I I think they're hedging their bets. Andy Mock looks at the picture of the Mazda 3 Turbo all-wheel drive and says, okay, okay, hang on. This guy, the Mazda 3 Turbo, or the Veloster N? And he's also hearing, as many of us have, that the DCT coming for the Veloster N is supposed to be excellent. Honestly, Andy, I think it entirely depends on usage. If you're going to use this primarily as a commute car with some back road work, then the Mazda wins. If you're going to use it as a car that you track and take on back roads and every now and then it gets commute duty, it's the Veloster N. Mm. Because the Veloster is fundamentally sharper and more fun to drive than the Mazda 3. But it has a uh, there's a spectrum of sacrifice discussion there where it is louder, more aggressive, not as usable in more places than the Mazda 3 is. Parker S. on Facebook says, would you rather do a replica or kit car build that you choose the kit and the drivetrain, or would you do a complete rest of mod, everything on the car that has been touched with the mods you choose? If you had 35000 to spend, what would you choose? And if you had unlimited budget, what would we choose? Wow. I haven't fully thought out this question, Parker, but I, I would choose a rest of mod just because I want to do it 
myself. I want to pick the car. I want to really do it myself. As you know, I've always talked about 928s. I'm intrigued by this 912, Porsche 912 idea with mm. the 718 Cayman engine in it. It would take a lot more money to do the, the custom resto mod. It just takes a lot more effort and time. But I like the thought of it opens up the door to more ideas that are just yours. It, it's it's yeah, only it. your I car. It. It's just one. You can customize a replica or a kit car and and really kind of do the same thing, but it's still it's still got that foundation of the replica build. Mm-hmm. But just taking some car and doing a fresh idea, like I said, I know it takes time and money and extra effort and all that stuff, but I think I'm more intrigued to that side. And that 912 is just that's fascinating that, that, that that sticks in your brain so much. Yeah. Parker, I like this question. I'm going to answer it two ways. First off, for the $35,000 one, I'd do a factory 5818. Would you? Yeah. yeah. For it's, that kind of price, that, that just speaks to the kind of things I like. But the money, no object version, I also have a clear answer, and that is I would take an E-Type, and everything underneath that gorgeous bodywork would be completely rethought. <laughs> starting with the wires. Well, yeah, starting first and foremost with the Lucas Electrics. But you, know, you can, we, we know from driving the one at Griot's, Richard Griot's mm. great uh, speedster, yeah. that he has that slight changes to the ergonomics of the interior make it much better for tall guys. His was awesome. That that straight six is a great engine. It is. So I would try to make sure that that maintains. But let's make everything else, put everything else on the table. Money, no object. Let's just get modern brakes, modern tech. Let's make that thing the best it can be and look like that. It's that derelict thinking that Icon 4x4 does with all those junky See, I don't, things. I don't like the stuff that looks derelict on the outside, though, but I, mean, I know that's a thing. I, it is a thing to them, yeah. but then everything underneath is brand new, upgraded, mm-hmm. higher mm-hmm. performance, everything. Yeah. I, I like that. Gabriel asks, uh, what do we do when a car is good, but you can't stand the seating position or the seats themselves? Watch our Acura TLX review. <laughs> I end up ranting is what happens. I end up ranting a lot. You wanted to like that car. I did like that car. I just didn't fit in that car. And the car, by the way, is huge. It's It's not like I didn't fit in this little car. I didn't fit in this massive car. When you you can't be comfortable in a car, you don't fit in a car, even if you fit headroom-wise, but the seats are just uncomfortable, nothing really saves that. Now, if it's a big guy problem, generally there are tall man fixes. I mean, it's been a known thing for the Miata forever. There's a lot of things you can do to create more headroom space in a lot of cars. The Acura TLX has been out five minutes. Nobody's solved that. But it clearly was not built for me. You have to find a seating position. I'll I'll give you a perfect example. I really, really like the Miata RF. Enough that it's a car that I would consider owning. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be timeless and great for a long time. My head touches the ceiling all the time which means if I were to buy one, I would have to buy one and instantly change the seats. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. like, oh, well, maybe I'll tell Like the Z4 right now, the seats are uncomfortable. You know what? It's a Z4. I don't, I'm not going to drive Just it. I'm not going to keep it forever. Deal. It's yeah. fine. The Honor RF would be like, bought it today, fixing seats tomorrow. That can be a death blow. Mm-hmm. This question here from Jason Bell asking, how do you do Canyon drives without getting a ticket? Carefully. <laughs> Stepping carefully here. I have... Recommended radar detectors for a long time. I use the Valentine one. I like them a lot. I think they're excellent. There's some canyons that the police know, speeders, but it's maybe more of a highway, more of a four lane or that kind of thing. And it's a revenue generator. There's other, you know, nondescript canyon drives that are not on the radar, not as heavily trafficked. Those are, of course, always ideal, but maybe a scout, scout your road, you know, just cruise, check it out. 
it's always good to learn the turns a little bit before you, you know, just tear into things. But I'm also not advocating, you know, doing crazy things either and and just turning turning it into your personal track because there are animals out there. There's people, there's traffic, there's, you know, you want to enjoy it. I get that. We do too. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's not a racetrack. It is not, and you cannot approach it that way. And I think if you do approach it that way, you'll be more prone to getting speeding tickets. It does really depend on location. I totally agree with that. The other thing that happens is that I find I enjoy, granted, look at the kind of stuff I like to drive, but I find I enjoy carrying much higher speeds than intended in the corners more than I am. How fast can I get before the next corner? Mm-hmm. I, I, I Okay, I'm going quickly, sure, but I, I'm not obsessed with how fast can we go right now. But yeah, that that corner was marked for twenty five, and I didn't do it at twenty five. There's there's a gamble here. There's a pay to play element that someday you may be going down a road that you're used to being empty, and there's a police officer, and he may pull you over, mm-hmm. and you will have to pay the fine. Seth on Facebook asks a YouTube question. He says, "When there's a an ad thirty seconds or longer on YouTube, what helps us? Do you have to sit there and watch the whole thing?" To my understanding, Seth, no. My understanding is that whole five second thing you can click to to skip the ad. The fact that you saw it, you probably know what brand it was. All that counts. What What is difficult for us, what, what hurts us, if you will, is honestly to this day, it's been this way forever, to this day, half of our views hit ad blockers and don't pay us a dime. Mm-hmm. The ad blockers mm-hmm. are what restrict us. I know many of you out there run ad blockers. Maybe some of you have been running them for so long you forgot you even have an ad blocker. But honestly, half of our viewership doesn't pay us any money because it runs ad blockers against YouTube. I understand it gets annoying, but this is how production gets paid for. But if you watch a five-second ad, that counts. Always appreciate your great questions. Well thought out. We definitely have more of them to get to, but we'll leave it here for right now. Guys, thank you so much. Hope you catch the winter tire driving piece. That is on the main channel mm-hmm. right now. That is part of our cheap sports car challenge. We're actually already looking forward to, to spring and, and doing the manual transmission drive. Yes, we've we're, got a lot of cool stuff planned for those cars. two of you to drive a manual transmission. Mm-hmm. We've got some other fun ideas, but there's, there's a lot coming with those cars. Huge thanks to Auto Tempest and Power Stop Brakes for sponsoring that entire challenge. Mm-hmm. Thank you again, guys. Cheers, everyone.